G'day, Darren Mitchell here. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I had the privilege of having a conversation with Mark Labusque. Mark is an author, facilitator, coach, and all-round great human being. We talked all things leadership, but from a human perspective, and Mark's leading a great movement for leaders and managers to bring more human elements to the way they do business, which is actually having some sustainable results out there in the marketplace. So buckle in, there's lots of gold that Mark shares. And of course, if you find this episode of value and you think some people in your network would benefit from this particular episode, but also other episodes of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast, then please do them a favor and share this particular episode. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales leader looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Here we go. We are recording. Awesome. So welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast and a special welcome to Mr. Mark LaBus. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Darren, thanks for having me on, mate. It's been too long since we've last had a chat, I think, at the at a cricket ground in Gisborne. It was, and I was looking at that, and I think that was pre-COVID. It and, was. Um, it was uh, the beautiful Garden Reserve in, in Gisborne, and I've got to say, it is looking a treat at the moment. Um, that's what's happened with two years of lack of football on the yeah. Oval. It's, yeah. a, it's actually looking very MCG-esque, because I've even started to cut it in that, in that particular beautiful... Um, why they do I don't know how they do it, but there <laughs> must be some council workers that are really, really good at that sort of stuff. It's anyway. all about the uh, millimetres, mate. I think it's all about the millimetres. <laughs> I could never do that. That's uh, well be but well above my pay grade. Um, hey, so thank, thanks for it. Has been too long, and you and I have been connected for a while. I remember the first time we met actually was out at um, out at Craigieburn, and you were doing some work with the Calder Cannons uh, youth girls. Uh, elite squad so um that's the first time we met and figured that there was a there was a connection there because i'd been doing a lot of work at australia post and you of course had had a fairly lengthy career at australia post but what really what really grabbed me about uh, about you is your approach to leadership so if it's okay with you i just want to jump into conversation around leadership this is not scripted so if you're listening to this right now uh you'll probably think that uh gee this is not a very well orchestrated interview that's how we roll. We're just going to have a conversation and where we go, we go. Are you okay with that? Uh, the less that I know about what's coming, the better the answers will be, mate. <laughs> so for the listeners, I mean, uh, you are a LinkedIn top voice and congratulations for that. I know that's a lot of work that goes into that, but it's a, it's a great recognition of the work that you are doing, uh, particularly on the on a LinkedIn platform. But those of you, uh, for those people who are listening who perhaps are not uh, well versed with the man who is Mark Lebusk. Um, where did it all start from you for you, all those years ago? Because I know we're fairly seasoned in terms of our careers, but where did it all start for Mark? Sorry, mate, I just had a blowout again with those things. But can you just ask me that question again? Sorry about that. Please, I hope you don't have to edit too much of this. That's shocking. I don't edit any of these podcasts. So what it is that what what we get is what we get. That's so cool. I was gonna for those for those who are listening, um, uh, where did it all start for Mark? So I know um, that your your background was a, a teacher, but what what made you get into teaching? 
uh, role models, mate. So great role model as a phys ed teacher, Mr. O'Toole at Mildura High School, sort of coached me from um, year seven footy and cricket and a whole lot of other things. And just a, just a good human being. He was pretty hard, tally as we called him, but, um, but he just, he was very human in the way he went about stuff. He was very much into um, being very helpful and helping us to not just learn to be better at sport, but to be, be better human. So that sort of sent me down the pathway of, um, a primary, phys ed primary school teaching didn't last long in there because I couldn't handle the staff room full of toxic people. And um, <laughs> and then I went into, mate, I went into logistics. So I really just started on the ground floor as a cadet. So back in okay. the days then, I was a cadet. I'd load planes, I'd drive trucks, I'd put satchels into bags and customer service, sales, branch management. Um, and then sort of, yeah, carved a career in being a bit of a generalist, I think. Okay. And what was it that attracted you? I know you said you got a you got a cadetship, but was it through a connection? Was it just something you know? I've just got to look for anything to do, and that that's what popped up. How did it? How did you actually make that transition? Well, having grown up in Mildura, um, I'd gone back home and I was working with TNT, basically, um, literally filling out consignment notes back in the days before the technology, just writing handwriting consignment notes for all of the wine and. And the produce that was leaving the district, very, very big uh, grape growing um, district. And um, and my boss at the time was connected to the guys in in Melbourne and they sort of said, you could come down here. But my cousin was playing footy over at um, at Sturt in um, South Australia and and his boss was an ex-Muldura boy as well. So, you know, it's the old, not what you know, it's who you know. And all of yeah. a sudden I'd... Um, I did want to get out of Muldura, not because I didn't like the place, I just didn't want to be there. So... Mm. Um, I went to went to Adelaide, mate, and um, so it was really through connection, and I think that's the way a lot of things happen through human connection. Yeah, and I know that uh, knowing a little bit about you, you, you worked pretty hard and got some great results in that particular role. Um, at what point, though, was there? Because I do want to delve into leadership and particularly your approach to leadership, because I think it's unfortunately it's quite unique, but I think it's what we need to be more more human in our approach. Um, when you, were, when you were going through your career and achieving quite unquote a level of success, uh, was there an inflection point that said, you know what, there's a different way and a better way to lead that, that led you onto this path or this journey that you're now on? Yeah, it was like, it took me about, I don't know, maybe five or six years of being a real asshole to realise that, um, <laughs> that, you know what, if I wanted to be like maybe like 2%, five percent some years ten percent ahead of my targets at saying sales or if i was always one or two or three down that the way to do that was to continue to um to, to look at humans as outputs of labor to to look at them as my way to success and you know i spent a lot of energy mate in making myself look good and um and making other people look bad or taking credit for the work they did so I, look, the infl I think I don't know that there's ever an inflection point. I think there was just a series of things that happened along the way where you go, um, it's not me. It's definitely not me. It's definitely not me. And then one day you go, maybe it is me. Maybe is. some of what I do isn't quite right. And, you know, kids come along and, and maybe you start to grow up a little bit. But, um, but no, I think it was just a, a, a few combination of a few different things. Some good, some feedback I got from people that I respected that actually hurt a little bit. Yeah. But I kept hearing the same thing for a while, Darren. And I went, yeah, I reckon it's me now. So I had to start. Maybe there's something work. in that. 
Well, you know what? I used to read my 360s and just go, nah, that's that's Darren. He's an arsehole. So I don't worry about him. Even though he said that a few times, um, it's it's him, not me. Until it's I started me. to realise it was me. <laughs> and so when you when you kept getting that feedback, um, was it was it a big change you made, or was it just a small evolutionary sort of change that that's that's ended up being such a transformational journey, not just for you, but also for the people that you work with? Yeah, I think it was. Um... I think it was a bit of a combination of both. So there was little little signals along the way. Um, and at the time when you're in the middle of it, you don't really realise how profound some of those things can be because what you're really doing is being a busy fool as I was and just trying to get results and get all the things that I needed to make me look good and get promoted because I kept getting promoted. Um, and I reckon if there was one really big thing in the end was just being put into a role um, at Australia Post, and I love working Aussie Post and still have many good friends there, um, by a fellow by the name of Nick Nusky, who came in from IBM yep. um, after sort of the armoured crew had come in and Nick joined. And, and I was working for another fellow at the time in a sort of like a, it was almost, the title nearly didn't fit on my business card. And, and it was, a bit <laughs> it was like, that long. Yeah, I was a bit like, what do you do? And I said, I really don't know what I do, but can you do a bit of this and can you do a bit of that? A lot of there was a lot of training and stuff going on at the time. And and Nick had asked me down for a chat. And um, and my boss said, I don't know what he wants to talk to you about, maybe about some training. And I went down and Nick said to me, I want you to be my um, solution sales director. And I'm like, why? And he said, because not because you're great at selling, because I just have watched the way that you can get people to do what they don't want to do around here. So that was a bit of a moment of, um, oh, geez, someone's seen something in me that perhaps I haven't seen or I've seen, but I've disregarded. And I think I'm very thankful to Nick to yeah. give me that opportunity. And that caused a bit of contention in the business because how the hell are you in sales now when you've been in these other roles in the business? And first of all, a contractor for five years at one point mm. in time. So sort of, you know, contractor in brackets, subhuman in the business. And um, so then I went to that role and, and then I just decided at the time to be a little bit cheeky. And I remember Nick asked me for my 12-month um, strategic sales plan on solution sales. And my response back, Darren, was my plan is that my people will be happy and have fun. <laughs> How did that go down? How did that? Uh, hang on. We've, we've, lost, we've lost sound. Hang on, mate. Hang lost on, mate. sound. Hang on, mate. Am I back again? You are back. You are back. This is not Darren's fault, by the way, people. My, my, <laughs> my, I, I need to let them know this because they'll be like, oh, come on, mate, get your quality right. This is absolutely my problem is that my, I keep turning my Bluetooth off on my Mac and I put my AirPods like 35 metres away, but it still wants to pick them up. So I don't know how to <laughs> fix that. So anyway, um, so I decided to, how did that go with, with the, I, yeah, how did he say, I just want to have fun and, and, and enjoy life. And, and I think his response was, that's not really a plan. And my response was <laughs> just, just trust me, like seriously, trust me. And, and, and then I'm like, right, this better work. So, yeah. Um, but where it all started, mate, was I basically, I see, I see life and I see work and everything as an experiment. And it was like, I'm going to experiment here. And yeah. I'm going to approach this in a very different way to what I might have in the past. And um, after about three months of a little bit of resistance from my people, we started seeing things 
change. And ultimately, it ended up in, this is me blowing some smoke out my own backside. We were 238% ahead of sales target in year one. So they tripled our year two target. And of course, they did. We, we hit that by 198% on a tripled target. And wow. someone asked me, how the bloody hell did you do it? And I said, I just treat my people like humans. Yeah. Which when you think about the, I guess, the quintessential definition of sales, it's hit the number, hit the number, do whatever it takes, build your strategy, put things through the funnel, close at all costs. But you've taken a completely opposite view to that. And because you've actually treated your people as human beings and cared for them, they've actually delivered the results. Yeah. Which... On the surface, it sounds obvious, but I know there's a lot of work that goes in beneath that and there's a lot of investment because you would have had to have faced not only a lot of, I guess, pressure from the business, certainly from your leaders to say, hang on, this is not the way we do things here because this is the way we've always done it. So you're not yep. following the recipe, but you would have had some challenges from your people as well because they hadn't wouldn't have been used to being dealt with as a human being either because there would have been an element of i'm not sure where i can trust mark because what is he what is he saying I'm, he's going to treat me as a human being he's going to ask me how i am and yeah. generally appear interested that that must be a challenge so how did you how did you deal with some of those those things and and was there any specific tr- strategies that you used to turn that around because i do want to delve into yep. your definitions of human but before yep. we do that what's what's your thoughts on that so um great question um when I when I started the experiment, the first thing I did, and I've actually got it here in a in a frame these days. It's the A3 sheet of paper, but very very doggy now. By the way, at 12 years old, 13 years old, um, I actually wrote the word trust down in the middle of that page. Yeah, and 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 then I wrote this. Um, you don't have to gain my trust; you have to lose it. So I had to change my mindset. And this is, you know, these are words, and they're just mm-hmm. words, but you had to see action. So I used to be, you show me that you're capable and I'll trust you. Yep. And I went, I'm going to take a massive risk here uh, and a leap of faith because I've actually stitched a few of these people up that are working for me over time and they've done a few things to me. So I'm just going to go, well, well, I'm going to look past that. And, um, and, and, and I very deliberately say I did bad things to people as well. So yep. I had the conversation. I reckon we spent the first three or four months. In fact, I said this to them, to, to establish this trust, it's like we had a conversation around what does trust mean to each person? Mm-hmm. And I, I talk about this in my first book around, is it motive? Is it about having someone's back? Is it capability? Can you do your job or is it reliability? Do you do what you say you will? What I wanted to do early on, Darren, was to, is to set the foundation for what we were trying to build is that it all starts with understanding what trust means to each person. Yeah. Now, I'll also say this, that didn't win us any $50 million deals or, or get any sexy sort of sales stuff going on, but it actually helped us to really speed that up once we'd established the the foundation. So there were some conversations around that. The second thing I said to them was, we're not going to look at the numbers for three months. And, you know, know, because I'm I'm sort of not from the area. I used to sell a long time ago and I've gone back in and I'm like, nah, the numbers are the numbers. Whereas, as you said before, like the numbers are everything. (laughs) So I said said to the people this, and this is where they got a little bit antsy with me, I will say. I said, um, we're going to focus on four things. Thankfulness, helpfulness, care and fun. And um, we're going to be really thankful with each other and and others. We're going to be really helpful. We're going to care about each other. We're going to give a shit about each other. We're going to check in and we're going to have some real fun uh, as we're doing this. They were horrified. I'm sure they still look at the numbers, but 
what I know happened was that we really started to, when you, when things like that happen, it's like numbers. When you talk about those things, you focus on those things and our behaviors, I'm not going to say they were always perfect because nothing's perfect, but I think it really helped us to start to open doors because we were thinking about behavioral stuff and human stuff before the numbers. So, and then what happened is I got resistance because we were a little bit, I think when we looked at the numbers, we might've been slightly behind target and people were like, we need to go back to the old way. And, and I think this is a lesson for anyone listening here. If they're in a management role in any part of the business and they're trying something different, particularly in sales. Um, now I'm not sort of a, I'm not sort of one of those woo woo guys too much, but I heard these three words at the time saying, hold your nerve. And I could was that was that internal dialogue yeah, from you? Yeah. yeah, I've got lots of internal dialogue, by the way. There's other stories that happen every day, but this thing in particular is like you could cave in here and say, "Yeah, let's go back to just getting over the line and whatnot," or you just hold your nerve, mate, because you know it's right. And yeah. I did. I'm like, "No, we're going. This is what we're doing." Yeah. So I know they had the shits on with me, but yeah, in leadership you can't be popular all the time. In fact, if you're popular all the time, you're not leading. You're just being popular. That's it. And if you think about it, that's that's just using the old tried and tested methodology that others believe is the way to do it. But in order to get exceptional results, you've got to sometimes do things that go against the grain. I also want but, to say this, that things like um, pipelines and all that sort of stuff are really important. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying we didn't use any of that stuff. We, oh, yeah, we, absolutely. We've just gone on to Salesforce at the time. And I, you know, I, I actually quite as someone who's not into the detail, it was, it was very nice to have that. Um, But I think you've got to add those sorts of things with the human bit to get the real power of what can happen here. Yeah. And the thing you said, hold your nerve would have taken courage because at the time, if you purely were looking at the numbers, it would have been easy to make a deduction that, Hey, maybe this methodology that Mark is employing with his team is not working. Yeah, but you would have known intuitively that no, no, this is, this is at some point it's going to kick in, and the human element which we want to delve into, um, it might take a little bit of time for people to change their paradigms because they're not used to doing it, and a lot of people might even listen to this and say, this is just woo woo rubbish, but hold fire because it does work, because you would have found I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but did you find through that approach? and I think you mentioned this before as well, that the numbers eventually did take care of themselves and probably you got better numbers because of the foundations that you'd laid, not just with your team, but you would have seen the way that your team was then translating that into the conversations they were having with their customers. Would that yep. be a fair assumption? Absolutely, mate. So these were the best numbers I ever saw yeah. in sales. So, um, and look, yep, there's a bit of woo-woo in it and um, it's not really traditional selling but really what traditional selling is, 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 is a relationship with another human being. And if we could become more aware of how we were creating, first of all, relationships with ourselves mm-hmm. and then relationships within our team and then relationships with other departments in the organisation and ultimately relationships with the, um, I call it the external customer. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of power in that. And you've just got to, did I have sleepless nights? Absolutely. Did I doubt myself at times? Absolutely. Did people say, when I went to the weekly sales directors meeting and they were all going through their pipeline, I'd be like, oh, you yeah, know, we're, we're really happy and we're having a bit of fun and, you know, we're, and they'll be like, well, what about your numbers? Okay, no, they'll, they'll be right. I'll get there. Um, Trust me. <laughs> you've got to be prepared to, if you're going to 
if you're going to create some change, you've got to be prepared for what's going to come back the other way because people get threatened by it. I remember when we um, remember we got our uh, results of our engagement survey, and I and again, here's a bit of smoke blowing again. I was about twenty five points ahead of the next person in the room, and they yeah. all said, "Oh, we should just send our people for you to give them the hug." And I'm like, really? <laughs> like seriously? But you've got it in those moments. You've got to you've got to stand up for yourself. And and over time, what was really good was people were coming to me and going, like, "What are you doing? Can can it's I obviously working? So it, exactly it right. There's a moment where you either give up, yeah, or you hold your nerve, yeah. Um, and looking back, because often you can't necessarily join the dots until you look back. Yep. And. I'm sure right now you're so glad you did because you've started a, a huge movement around just being more human. I know we'll talk about your Human Manager Academy and, and the programs that you do. But for those listening, if we were to describe human, because a lot of people listening will say, well, what's human all about? What, what is being, we're all humans, but how do, I, how do I get some tangibility around it? So for a leader right now who might be struggling with their numbers, might be struggling yep. with their engagement, what do we say to them in terms of, hey, be more human and it can turn it around. It won't necessarily happen overnight, but it will happen if you put these things in place. So what is being human all about? Yeah. So let me start with um, one of my favorite sayings is that the game of human is a long game. Yeah. So if you, if you know, there's the H word has been thrown around so much Darren in the last two years, we've got to be more human with our people because of the pandemic and, and all this. And I get asked quite regularly, how can we be more human? And I'm like, what do you mean more human? Just be human. And, and mm. I look at, I look at um, three things here. Obviously, there's the whole idea of safety for us, that we need yeah. to feel safe. That's the first thing. And that includes the manager as well. They need to feel safe. And if they're worried about 1% or 2% up and down every week, that creates different behaviour. And the other two things that, that um, are really important is we're a social species. So mm. we want to build through story, deep connection. And that's what selling is through story. We're building connection. We're finding commonalities. We're finding needs that people have in order for them to be successful and not feel the danger. And then the third one is creating that sense of belonging to something. And mm. that's why I, you know, the, the selling process in itself is about belonging. It's about belonging in a relationship with one or multiple people, departments, organizations, whatever you might say. And so I sort of stripped it back to that is if we, in essence, got back to building that deep connection and that sense of belonging and creating that space where people didn't have to every week go, oh, shit, I'm either 1% up or 1% down. What's Mark going to do? Yeah. Um, it makes a big difference. But I just think we've lost a bit of that because we work on weekly, fortnightly, monthly, quarterly, half yearly, full yearly, it's all, and we're always looking backwards. Mm. And if we're, if we're 3% down, there's a, there's a Royal Commission. If we're 3% up, it's like, ah, she's right, happy days. I think we've got to look at both. Yeah, yeah. And what came out of that is one word popped up and that is accountability. Yep. Because as you mentioned, so many sales organizations, even in 2022, are placing all of their focus on what's the target we're gonna hit this quarter. And if we're not on track, what's our mitigation strategy to bridge the gap and, and get it done? Yep. From the being human perspective, um, 
when it comes to accountability, because chances are you would have had team members who perhaps were a little bit behind on their individual target. Yep. What does being human actually mean to a leader in terms of their ability to drive more accountability and having those difficult conversations, which as leaders we often have to have because yep. there's always going to be a percentage of people that perhaps are not playing the game with their full capacity. Yep. Um, how do you how do you bring human into having those difficult conversations and really driving that accountability? So remember I said before we did the unsexy work of trust early on. So we did mm. the trust stuff. Then we did some work around what we call I call creating the safety net. So for allow people to challenge, allow people to experiment, um, allow people to what I call humanivate, which is choose how they want to be on a day rather than exactly what they're going to do and combine those things. We also talked about what leadership really was. And leadership wasn't the heroic soloist, as in me. Mm. It was the combined efforts of all of us. Um, so we'd had these conversations early to, to, to determine that it was okay to have conversations where we were telling each other what we needed to hear and not what we wanted to hear. See, I have a challenge. I have a real problem. I have a difficulty with the term difficult conversations because yeah, okay. um, as soon as we call them difficult, and we go off to difficult conversation training, we all shit ourselves. <laughs> oh no, I've got to tell Darren something that he's going to get upset with. And I'm like, what if it was, what if we just called it a conversation between yeah. two human beings to try and get to a point where we both understood that we both had accountability, not, and then that you had accountability and I had accountability for different things, but it's not the Royal we, as most managers do, we should get this right. So, um, I had no issue in the end because the people totally understood that if we had to say things that needed to be said, we were doing it with good intention. We were doing it to make progress and we were doing it in the service of our group. And, yeah. and then we also had the chance, mate, to, if we didn't think that or didn't feel that, we could challenge. And it didn't matter. If I, if I was being an ass, mm. someone would challenge me. So yeah. we set the foundation. Um, and like I think accountability is is a word that's really important but it's the context of it is a bit shadowy because people tell you're accountable mm. then they micromanage the hell out of you so you know in a sales perspective i know how that works the, the really yeah. good salesperson becomes an ex-sales manager sometimes and they struggle a bit because they keep riding in on their white steed to save the day you can't tell your people they're accountable and they own stuff and then interfere with what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to, you've got to give them the empowerment to make mistakes and feel yep. comfortable in that environment that it's okay. We will have the conversation, but you as the leader are still there to support them, but there will be well, both accountabilities and it's okay to, to, to stuff it up. As long as you don't continue to stuff it up and people learn. Well, from that's it. it. Like, it's not like we just make multiple stuff ups. And the other thing <laughs> I want to say there too, yeah, don't worry about the business, we'll blow it up. The other thing I want to say is you allow people to experiment and take risks, but in a safe way rather than in a, in a crazy sort of yeah. erratic way that, that, that creates a lot of risk and potentially customer dissatisfaction. Yeah. But that's, again, that's common. I think that's common sense, but we, common sense ain't that common. No, that's right. But it also comes back to what you said earlier about the bedrock of trust. Because yep. if you've established that first and foremost, then it creates almost like this, this environment of psychological safety where people are okay to be themselves. And I often yep. say to people, just be the best 
version of you you can possibly be, right? You're going to make mistakes, but don't compare yourself to anybody else. But know that I'm going to be here to support you and help you extract your maximum potential. If you can do that and still make a mistake but learn from it, it's all good because you're making progress. It's so challenging in the sales environment. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Well, guess what? That's exactly what we do. It's like I used to be, when I was at TNT and I was selling as a junior salesperson, we had the league ladder. Yes. And like there was like 40 people selling and that. And then every week that came out. And if you were 21 to 40, you're in the penthouse. I said the shithouse. And if you were (laughs) 1 to 10, you're in the penthouse. And um, that in itself stops us doing things like working together and, you know, creation and co-designing great solutions for people. Because I'm like, I don't want Darren to be ahead of me because when it comes to review time and potentially bonus time, um, I don't want him to beat me and maybe I want to be promoted before him. So there's, there's a big challenge in, this is an adaptive challenge. We're going to change some behaviors and beliefs. And this is why it's, I think it's such important work that you're doing in the work you do to, to put a different focus on it rather than just it's the numbers. Well, it is. And it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned the internal competition. I remember when I was at Optus, there was a, um, uh, a number of sales teams in the, and the sales director back then, I won't mention his name because he's, he's probably not listening anyway, but he used to think it was phenomenal to have the internal competition where all the guys were fighting over um, opportunities to the point where they would ring fence opportunities to say, well, this is my patch and nobody's allowed to come into it. right? And even though if you had some great relationships with a customer, and could have brought in business that would have actually helped the entire business. No, no, that's Darren's patch. And Mark, you need to stay away. So it didn't promote teamwork. And it certainly didn't promote a, a bedrock of trust. It drives so, bad behavior. So I'm oh. going to give you an example. Look, I'm happy to put my shitty Mark stuff out there. So I remember at one stage, again, selling in Adelaide. My territory was sort of south of Adelaide. So down um, into the McLaren Vale and sort of down to the border. But I grew up in Mildura and... I actually did a deal with someone to buy those three kilo satchels, like to buy yep. like 10,000 of them. And I set them up a post office box in Adelaide in my area so they could buy them through there. Now I'm not overly proud of that now, but let me tell you at the time, I was right up in the top three or four in the sales thing. Now what about the poor bugger in um, my hometown who didn't get a sale? <laughs> That's right. I didn't care because we, it was like, it was kill or be killed. And yep. um and you know what? This is this is why I like sales a little bit. Like, there's nowhere to hide, mm. and particularly the the. the... Oh, we've we've gone to. Hang on, let me fix this up again. It's me, mate. <laughs> me. I, I thought I was going beautifully there. Um, am I back I, again? You're all you're all good. Okay, so you're I was just absolutely dissing on myself, and I'll keep going. That was my um, technology again. So, um, you know, it just. It's just not the way to. It's not the way to get business to work well by by pitting people against each other. Um, but that's sort of how we've how we've brought people up through the system, unfortunately. And unfortunately, the people who have been part of that system are then elevated to the higher level of let's just say it, higher level of incompetence, and they become managers, and the system just continues to perpetuate so and then we wonder about and then we talk about sales transformation programs and things like that and i'm sure you've been involved in them and i think mm. they're really well intentioned but you, transformation means something's going to look a fairly bit different to what it is today and unfortunately i think it's more putting lipstick on the pig mate than real transformation. <laughs> that's right and it's just oh, it's the same with um 
it's the same with selling methodologies and all these processes. So many organizations are looking external to their organization, thinking that the elixir exists outside of that organization. It's going to solve all of their problems. Where in fact, if they had have looked at and continue to look at the quality of the people and look at the attributes that they're looking for that constitute successful leadership, that provides sustainability, you know what? They'd probably find they've got some really good quality people who can take the business forward without having to worry about all these different sales methodologies and sales processes and sales funnels that they bring in. I think, it's, I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, the developmental sales manager does exactly what you just said. The transactional look at me one uses the numbers for evil mm. and not and goes, oh, you know, Mark's 3% behind and he's not going to come. We'll, we'll rate him as a two. We'll put him on a pip and, uh, and we'll remove him from the business at some point in time. That still goes on today. And it's, it's, real, it's a real shame because that's taking the short-term approach rather than the long-term game of human that let's develop him. Yeah, absolutely. And if, you, if you're prepared to take the longer game and the longer route, it might actually not give you the short-term satisfaction or it might not even give you the short-term recognition. But if you put those foundations in place, it's going to deliver sustainability. And that's, that's what I'm all about now in making sure that in a sales leadership capacity, we help sales teams and sales leaders drive sustainability, not just short-term results, because this is what we're looking at in three years, five years. What legacy are you going to leave? Um, what are people going to be talking about you in the future? Anyone can set up a post office box in another state to get their budget. <laughs> that's right. Exactly what you're saying. And that's just not, that's, it. that's actually, I might just, that's, that's most likely an unethical way to go about selling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as we wrap up, I know you've got a hard, hard stop shortly. Um, a couple of questions and then we'll jump into a, uh, just a, bit, a little bit about the human manager Academy. Yep. Um, a listeners, a listeners plug into this right now and they might be under pressure from their superiors yep. and to hit their number. They might even be under pressure from some of their team um, and they haven't necessarily got the role models that perhaps you know, we, we have had access to or that are out there guiding them the right way. What, what sort of advice? Is there anything you would say to them to at least start them on a path of improvement, not, knowing that it's not going to be an instant fix? But yep. somebody who might be struggling and operating in that environment of it's just all about the numbers, what is one thing they can grab onto that can at least start them in the in the forward direction? They've got to, it starts with self. Mm. So you know, I, I talk about um, we have what between twelve and a half and sixty five thousand recurring and new thoughts every day. That's the research I've heard that that, that suits my argument here, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> um, and we're all like that, by the way. And, That's right. Um, 80% of them are negative. So what's happening with that person right now is they're delving into what I call their eight drawer bad news filing cabinet. I want them to go across to their two drawer good news one and start to look at, well, how did I get to where I am? Hmm. There is no, there might've been a few little lucky breaks along the way, but I've, usually when you're in that situation, listen, as you've worked damn hard to get to where yeah. you are, focus on the things that you've done really well along the way. And what you'll find is the things that have brought you success aren't necessarily the, the, the things that you're being hammered to do at the moment. So I think you've got, to, you've got to focus on yourself and you've got to focus on the stuff that you've done really mm. well. This is a mindset piece for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the place. And I'm just going to give you another one quickly. Um, like, don't be scared to reach out to people that you see and you go, look, I'd really like to know more about how Darren has mm -hmm. got to where he is like 
send Darren a bloody LinkedIn message and say, hey, mate, have you got 15 minutes for a chat? Be brave enough to start to find some mentors and role models because there's lots of them out there that aren't yep. like the other way around. So I think that'd be the two things. Be brave there and, and look in your good news filing cabinet for why you're successful. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. Because as you say, it's not it, it's not rocket science, right? But you can actually deliver some significant changes just by looking at some really common, common sense-based practical um, attributes and qualities. I had a guy in my uh, a guy in a program last week, uh, two day back in the room on day two, about halfway through, he goes, I don't even know why I'm here. And I'm like, what, what is that? And he goes, he goes, this is just common sense. And I went, yep. And he goes, I thought I was going to learn something. And I went, well, maybe you've learned that common sense is, is a good thing. But it is, mate, what you just said, it is simple, it's practical, and it's common sense. But we get caught up in like looking for the next silver bullet, particularly in sales. So, yeah, yeah common sense is a big thing. It's, um, I often say to people, and especially in sales, and I've seen it, and look, I've two hands in the air, I've been guilty of this as well. Taking the overly simplistic and trying to make it really, really complex yep. versus just do simple better because it works. And it's replicable. <laughs> I had a lady on my podcast today, Dr. Jen Fram, and she's a change, a, a brilliant change um, agent and facilitator, speaker and whatnot. And she said this about complexity is humans find it a very easy place to hide. There's all these little <laughs> laneways of complexity they can delve themselves down into because it's all hard. And it's like the simple yeah. stuff is the easy stuff, but maybe I don't look like I'm a rocket scientist if I haven't formed some sort of complex sales algorithm. I don't know. <laughs> but hey, if you can do simple better, as your participant found out, it is common sense. The question is, has been has he been applying it? And what is he going to do with it now is the key thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I heard your podcast last week and I, I sent you a note about this. I had to have a chuckle because a couple of your... Um, and we'll talk about your Simply Practically Human podcast. And if you're looking for some great information and um, just some some cool guests, plug into that on all... You're on all good platforms, aren't you? Plus some dodgy ones like me. I am on all good ones and some dodgy ones. And let me tell you, I, I do have problems with my technology at times as well. So, um, yeah. But no, yeah, I'm, I'm on the usuals. Apple, <laughs> Vizca, um, Spotify, wherever else. Wherever good podcasts are found, you may find the Simply Practically Human podcast. Excellent. So listeners, do yourself a favour. And as Molly Meldrum used to say, oh, he still does because he's still around. <laughs> we, if, is there some news that just come out mate, via your phone? No, just hopefully no, this is not a this no, this is not uh nothing off the trip off the press, but uh do yourself a favor and, and plug into that. Mark, I know that you uh you're back in the room and uh I did hear on your podcast you're talking about uh creating a human the human manager academy yep as we wrap up can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can uh, get access to it and uh, more importantly get access to you as well yep sure thanks mate so quickly um the human manager academy has really been born from um the two years of the pandemic because i uh, was always in the room 99 percent of the time in the room i've had to change to some virtual so um this is giving a platform for people who may not um, be sponsored to go into leadership development and, uh, through their organization, or they may be sponsored and they're looking for a, a different way to do it. So what it's going to give people is a, an opportunity to do some self-paced, modulized work. Um, mm -hmm. I'm working with a company called The Learning Hook out of Melbourne. They're brilliant. Um, and also gives them the chance to do it in a hybrid way. So they can do some 
self-paced with a bit of virtual webinar type stuff. And if they also want, they can, they can then say, we wouldn't mind a bit of this stuff in the room as well. So I'm just trying to give um, more people around the globe access to what's been working really well for, for people for the last eight years. That's, yeah. that's a human manager Academy. That's not launching till, till June because okay. I, I was going to launch a bit earlier, but we've gone into phase two before um, I wanted to launch phase one because that's sort of the way I am. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I know, mate. Um, and just, I guess the other stuff really, if I just go to um, www.marklebusquets.com, like yep. there's podcasts, there's blogs, there's um, there's a whole lot of other stuff. There's some there's some nice interactive stuff people can just pick up from there and, and try some little activities on themselves. But um, I'd suggest, yeah, go in and have a look in there. You'll see what uh, what I offer to the world. But um, yeah, that's about it. Brilliant. And of course, uh, if you're on, if you're on LinkedIn, you've got um, I think you've got some capacity to take on some more followers and some more connections. So um... absolutely, I have. I, I, I don't, you know, and, and as I say, you can only your brain can only handle about 150 people at a time. So having 15,000 followers really. Uh, it's, 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 I feel good whenever I see it, but I think you can have 30. But yeah, so jump on. Look, just send me a note if you want to have a chat. Seriously. Yeah, like I said before, have a chat. Just send me a message. I'll get back to you. And uh, I love having conversations. I love building connection and, and hoping to help people to, to find a more human way to approach not just the world of work, but just the world. Absolutely. So, Mark, Absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. This has been a, um, a very enlightening conversation. I trust that people listening to this will get a lot of value out of it. Um, I just love having conversations and kudos to you for continuing to do the work that you do because we need more and more, certainly our leaders in sales to be more and more human and, um, and not so much focus so much on just the numbers, but if we actually focus on the human elements and what makes the numbers tick, guess what? The numbers will take care of themselves and that, drive sustainability so uh mate thanks once again for play, getting on the podcast and uh we'll have to do this again sometime mate, i'm appreciative of the opportunity to have a chat with you at any time and um i hope your listeners get something out of it but thank you very much all the best mate cheers thank you for listening to the exceptional sales letter podcast i trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.